Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Bible in Order, where we are chronologically going through the entire Bible in one year. Today's reading for December 14th is Acts chapters 27 and 28. We are coming to the end of the writings by the apostle or the evangelist Luke, who was a physician and a historian. He wrote Luke and Acts, and those two books together equate to over one quarter of the New Testament. Pretty amazing. Our reading today begins with a decision that finally Paul and his companions are headed to Rome. Paul had been talking about going to Rome. He felt like it was God's will for him to go to Rome. And we're told in verse 24 that an angel appeared to Saul or Paul and said it was necessary for him to speak before Caesar. God had given Paul grace and favor with the centurion who was now in charge of taking care of Saul and transporting him, this centurion named Julius. And in 27.3, it says that he allowed Paul to go and be cared for by some of his friends. That word care does not refer to medical care. It's more like a hospitality or to show a special kindness to. So it seems as though Paul wasn't needing anything pressing, but the centurion respected Paul and wanted to make sure that he was able to see his friends and be ministered to by them. In verse 9, it says that it was getting late in the year. Your translation might say the day of atonement was passed, or it might say the fast was passed. And it refers to Yom Kippur, in which the Jewish people by tradition fasted. And that typically took place around what is now our October, maybe the second week of October in our calendar. Paul warns the captain of the ship and those who are in charge that it is getting too late in the year. It's not a good time to try to sail in that direction. The storms and the the weather is going to be against them, but nobody listens to Paul. They don't really understand who he is or what his giftings are at that point, and they set sail anyway. They seem to be getting some wind in verse 13, thinking that they had made the right decision, but just a few verses later, they see the storm raging all against them, and they begin to lose hope that any of them would even be saved. But it is in this transition that Paul receives a heavenly visitation from an angel encouraging him and saying he must stand before Caesar. When Paul translates this story to the people on the ship, it must have been encouraging, but I think it's interesting that Paul says, an angel belonging to the God whom I serve. He didn't take for granted that they all believed in the same God that he did. And I think in our society today, we need to understand when we are telling people that we received a message from God or some sort of a revelation, that we should give credit to the God we serve. Not everyone serves the same God we do. Not everybody believes in the same God we do. And if we just pray generically to God or talk about God in a very generic fashion, it's safe, but our message loses its power. Perhaps when we're talking with people about our personal testimony or the prayers that we are praying, or maybe if we're asked to bless a meal at a family or other type of gathering, perhaps 
We should be calling upon the God of the Jews, the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. Perhaps we should be praying directly to the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Perhaps we should pray before others the same way we pray in our closets to God our Father, creator of all things. As the sailors begin throwing their cargo overboard and wondering if their lives would be spared or taken, Paul encourages them that not one of them would be harmed, but they all must stay together. When the ship runs aground, Paul develops a plan and encourages them all, and every one of them is saved. While they are bundling up and trying to get warm next to the fire after having been drenched in the sea in the torrential rain, a viper comes out of some firewood and latches onto Paul's hand. People are tempted to think that Paul must have been some sort of an evil person, maybe a murderer, because fate is not going to allow him to survive. But Paul is unshaken and unharmed. He shakes the snake off into the fire. And when they see that he isn't harmed by that snake bite, they begin to worship him as a god. It would be tempting for any of us, for any person at all, when bitten by a snake, to yell and scream and even curse and begin praying and demanding that people call 911. But what if that evil thing that is befalling you was ordained by God to give you a platform for your testimony to share his goodness and his power over sin and sickness and death and even snake bites? Paul believed the word that he had received from the Lord that came through the angel that said he must stand trial before Caesar. And so when certain death appeared to be in the form of a snake, certainly an attack from the enemy, Paul was not flustered at all. He just continued on with the work in believing that nothing would come in the way of him completing the work God had placed before him to do. After weeks and months, eventually they do make it to Rome, where Paul is held in a rented house for two whole years, where he's preaching and teaching and writing letters of encouragement. There's likely a treasure trove of letters that Paul wrote that aren't recorded for us and aren't preserved in Scripture, but certainly what we do have is sufficient to point us in the right direction. I wonder why this book of Acts ends right here and it doesn't go on and detail the rest of Paul's life or maybe even Luke's life. But this is where Holy Spirit decided to end it, at least as far as we know, according to the canon of Scripture we consider to be the Bible. Tradition holds that Paul lived an additional five or six years after this two years of house arrest. And he eventually did stand trial before the emperor Nero, but Nero was a wicked man and probably actually didn't give Paul any kind of trial at all. And around the year 65 AD, roughly 30 to 33 years after Jesus' death and resurrection, Paul himself was martyred by beheading under the emperor Nero, who persecuted Christians with full force. Tradition holds that Luke lived another 20 years, and he was eventually martyred at, as well 
at the age of 84, and we can only imagine that both of these great saints, these evangelists, these apostles, heard those words we all long for when they entered into the presence of the Most High, well done, good and faithful servant. That is our ultimate goal, and that's our ultimate reward, that God would be pleased with us and that we would fulfill the absolute best and highest calling possible in concordance with the scrolls of our own destinies to and for the glory of God. God bless you, my friends. Richly may he bless you as you seek him. We'll see you tomorrow.